feel very called to become a member of the Catholic Church. Love the Catholic Church. It's just the best place to be. From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. You can also text the letters EWTN to 55000 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. Hey, tremendous Tuesday to each and every one of you. We thank you so much for carving a little time out of your afternoon to join us here on EWTN's Open Line Tuesday. Father Wade Menezes is in the house. We're talking faith, family, and fellowship. If you've got a question, the number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, your number is one 205 2712985 and we will put you straight to the front of the line at 12052712985 you can always send us an email openline at ewtn.com or you can text your question to father wade text the letters ewtn to 55000 wait for a response text your first name and your question message and data rates may apply I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall, producing the program. Your call screeners, Mr. Ryan Penny, and social media extraordinaire person type guy is Jeff Burson. Boy, that was smooth, wasn't it? I am a trained <laughs> broadcast professional. Uh, but Jeff Burson is handling our social media endeavors, so if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can just type a question into that chat window, and he'll do a better job of getting it to us than I did describing him getting it to us. And our host is he is every single Tuesday, Father Wade Menezes. Father, it's a home game. I see the John Deere back there. That's right. I am back from my Advent Parish Missions. Uh, three parish missions on the road this Advent, two on beautiful Vancouver Island in the city of Victoria, one at the Cathedral Parish of St. Andrew, the other one at Holy Rosary in the suburb of Langford, and then last week, if you'll remember, in Wyoming there at uh, Buffalo, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, we're halfway through Advent. Uh, we've, 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 we've donned the rose vestments. We've gotten through Gaudete Sunday, and we need Coach Wade to give us a pep talk as we come out for the second half. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, from December 17th to the 23rd, uh, we have a very special countdown focusing on the birth of our Lord up until the 17th from the beginning of Advent, the first Sunday of Advent through December, 7th, uh, December 16th inclusive. We've been focusing on the second coming of Christ, but from the 17th onward, we focus on his first coming. And we'll notice that uh, December 17th through the 25th is exactly a nine-day period. So for those of you wanting to partake of a Christmas Novena, find a really good one online at EWTN.com, for example, and pray a Christmas Novena and get caught up on it. You're only on the second day of it, so God's time is eternal, so it's never too late to begin a Novena, I like to say. But um, from the 17th to the 23rd, we have the Great O Antiphons, and these are some of the titles. Uh, I'll, I'll say what they are from the 17th through the 23rd. O Sapientiae, O Wisdom, O Adonai, O Lord of Might. O Radix Yesi, O Flower of Jesse's Stem, O Clavis Davidica, O Key of David, O Oriens, O Rising Dawn, and O Rex Gentium, 
O King of Nations, and the great one that's very, very well known that a lot of people will recall in the hymns of Advent for December 23rd, O Emmanuel, O God with us. This helps us remember, Jack, that Advent is divided into two periods, as I said, from its beginning, the first Sunday of Advent through December 16th, and then again, the second part from December 17th to the 23rd. This second half of the liturgical season of Advent has us focus on the nativity of our Lord, especially from the 17th onward. In fact, both the Mass and the Liturgy of the Hours have special texts assigned for all seven of these days through the 23rd inclusive. Why stop at the 23rd? Because the 24th is the vigil day per se of the great celebration of Christmas on the 25th, and the Catholic Church, of course, is big on vigil days, and so the 24th has its own special texts. And we have these, O Antiphons, to remind us of the God-man Jesus Christ and the titles that uh, he comes to us in, fulfilling all of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Um, and remember, it's, it's good to recall, I think, that Advent, although not strictly penitential in nature, it is surely a time of sober awakening to remember the birth of the God-man who's come into our midst. Uh, the creator of the world became a creature. This is like saying that the architect literally actually became the house that he blueprinted up. This is like saying that the potter literally actually became the cup that he was working on the spinning wheel with the wet clay. It's unfathomable to us, and yet that's exactly what God did in his second divine personage, the Son. He entered into the world he created by becoming a creature. What he was, he remained, God. What he was not, he assumed, he took on, human nature, and a human nature like ours in all things but sin. And we hear these O Antiphons twice a day from the 17th to the 23rd. At the Mass, we hear them peppered in during the Alleluia verse for those who might go to daily Mass during this time period, this latter part of Advent. Uh, and then for Vespers, for those who pray Vespers, you'll notice that the Antiphon for the evening canticle of Mary, we have the O Antiphons again. Very, very powerful. The Church wants to place before us the beauty of the coming of the Savior into our midst. And this last Sunday, I just want, I want to kind of wrap it up with this, focusing on this last uh, period of Advent. Uh, this last Sunday was initiated, uh, initiated the period with Gaudete Sunday, Rejoice Sunday. And there was a beautiful meditation in Magnificat magazine it, uh, about, about the readings for this past Sunday, the third Sunday. It says, when people come to John the Baptist asking, what should we do? He gives them very simply the most reasonable, common-sense reply. He says, in effect to them, live reality. God is asking you to be faithful to the most ordinary circumstances of your everyday life, and he will make himself evident there. That's basically the answers that John the Baptist gives the people from this past Sunday's gospel. And with that advice, uh, the people were filled with expectation asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. And all of this because John the Baptist made them attentive simply in their own hearts in a way that did not neglect anything of their own humanity. It neglected nothing of their ordinary daily life. John was just calling them to a greater attentiveness to that, huh? And so the people can exult with all of their hearts, we're told in the last uh, Sunday's readings, because now they can trust that the desires of their hearts uh, are not illusions. They have no anxiety, they have no distress, for the Lord is near as the next moment 
and whatever that next moment brings. And this reminds me of um, uh, three quotes I want to share about faithfulness to daily duty. I may have shared these in, in a show on the past where we covered faithfulness to daily duty, but God is so close. He, he's so much wanting to meet us where we're at that he meets us right there where we are. Uh, St. Jose Maria Escriba, the founder of Opus Dei, says, God waits for us every day in the science laboratory, in the operating room, in the army barracks, in the university chair, in the factory, in the workshop, in the fields, in the home of domestic work, in all the immense panorama of daily work. Understand this well, there is something holy, something divine, something hidden in the most ordinary situations and circumstances of everyday life, and it is up to each one of us to discover what it is. And then Archbishop Fulton Sheen says, We would all like to make our own crosses, but since our Lord did not make his own cross, neither do we make ours. Thus we can take whatever he gives us in faithfulness to daily duty, and we can make the supernatural best of it. The typist at her desk working on routine letters, the student with his school books, the sick in their isolation and pain in the nursing home, the teacher drilling her pupils for tomorrow's quiz, the mother dressing her children to catch the school bus on time, every such task, every such duty can be ennobled and spiritualized if it is done in God's name. And St. John Chrysostom, early church bishop, early 5th century, he says, it is possible to offer frequent and fervent praise to the three divine persons, the Blessed Trinity, while in the marketplace shopping or while strolling alone along a country road for leisure. Indeed, it is possible in your place of business to give praise to God while sitting at your desk and while buying or selling and even while cooking. So again, John the Baptist answered the people, look, God wants to meet you where you are in the most ordinary circumstances of everyday life. That being said, always be ready to welcome him, which reminds us, Jack, of our last week's poem, And So They Missed Him. We do not want to miss him. And this great countdown of December 17th to the 23rd, leading to the great vigil day of the 24th and Christmas Day itself on the 25th, this great countdown now, this last half, this last one-third to one-half of Advent, helps bring all these beautiful realities to the fore. And this is the glory of being Catholic. Remember, the entire liturgical year revolves around our life, and our life revolves around the entire liturgical year. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Talking faith, family, and fellowship during this Advent season on Open Line Tuesday. Catholic Answers Live tonight, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. Two hours of Q&A open forum. Hour number one with the Director of Apologetics, Tim Staples. Hour number two with Jim Blackburn. That's Catholic Answers Live tonight, 6 Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. A couple of open phone lines for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. First up today is Jeff in Fairplay, Colorado, listening to EWTN on the Catholic Radio Network. Jeff, you are on with Father Wade Menezes. Happy Advent. Happy Advent. Blessed Advent to you. I'm on Bluetooth. Is this working well? It works just fine. What's your question? (laughs) 
enough. Uh, last week we were talking about uh, plenary indulgences and going to confession. And it, um, Trish, what if one's confessor, what if one's spiritual advisor, uh, would indicate that uh, there aren't any, uh, any sins to confess? Do you still go to confession, or how does that work? Okay, great question. Thank you so much for your call. Well, first of all, I'm not sure specifically what matter your confessor is talking about. He said that they're not sins. Well, indeed, confession should be for sins. Uh, But if what your confessor is actually saying that that these are venial sins, there's no need to confess him, to confess them, I would tend to disagree. Remember, Pope Pius XII defended the practice of frequent confession, even of venial sins, he said. Uh, by it, uh, he said, self-knowledge is increased, for example, Christian humility grows, bad habits are corrected, uh, spiritual neglect and lukewarmness are resisted by the confession of venial sins, uh, the conscience is purified, the will is strengthened, uh, even a salutary self-control is attained in daily life. Say you're trying to overcome a particular vice, you find it easier to overcome that vice. Uh, and, and sanctifying grace is increased in virtue of the sacrament itself. And this is all even if it's just venial sins that are confessed, huh? No mortal sins. Uh, Pope Pius uh, uh, Twelfth was very clear, as the Church's teaching is, that while strictly, strictly speaking, confession per se, is for mortal sins. That's the ordinary way for mortal sins to be forgiven. You are surely welcome to confess venial sins in confession. Uh, In fact, uh, show me a person who goes to confession faithfully once a month, say in honor of the first Friday devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, or in honor of the first Saturday devotion in honor of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, Chances are, chances are they will only have venial sins to confess. It's precisely the monthly confession per se 12 times a year per se, that is keeping them away from mortal sin. So praise God for that. So for no other reason, we confess venial sins, thanking God that we don't have mortal sins, and yet we still want to keep up that monthly practice. And remember, confessing venial sins and going to confession uh, increases uh, the very sanctifying grace that confession offers to the individual, whether it's mortal sins, venial sins, or a combination of both that are uh, confessed in one particular confession. Also, now St. Paul VI stressed, quote, the great value of frequent and reverent recourse to this sacrament of confession, even when only venial sins are in question, end quote. Uh, this practice, he continues, quote, is a constant effort to bring to perfection the grace of our baptism. So frequent confession and the practice therein is a constant effort to bring to perfection the grace of our baptism. And then uh, when I'm on the road preaching, I often share uh, the nine chief benefits of a frequent confession, even if it's just venial sins, and I cull these nine, this list of nine, uh, from these two quotes from these two popes that I just uh, shared with you, Pope Pius XII and and Pope Paul VI. Uh, Number one, conscience is purified. Grace is increased, both sanctifying and actual grace. The will is strengthened. Self-knowledge is increased. More rapid growth in virtue takes place. Humility grows. Bad habits are assisted in being overcome. Uh, A spirit of mediocrity or lukewarmness is assisted in being overcome. And greater self-control is achieved in daily living. So, 
again, it, it, it could be that it wasn't sinful matter that was being confessed, and that's what your confessor told you. Well, this isn't sinful matter. For example, Father, I was angry because I came home from work one afternoon to find two thieves in my house, uh, one holding my wife and children uh, at, at knife point, and the other one ransacking my house and going through my family's personal items. Well, the priest would be correct in telling you there's no sin there. Uh, that's righteous anger. That's just anger, huh? Just like what Jesus had going through the temple with the money changers. Um, in fact, it would be a sin if you were not angry at that scenario, uh, the scenario of coming home from work and finding two thieves in your house. You have every right to be angry with that, huh? So great question, Jeff. Thank you so much for your call from Colorado. Uh, frequent confession, I'm big on it. In fact, I believe that in 2018, 18 years into the, this third millennium, I don't see how anyone, regardless of their state in life, single, married, consecrated priest, brother, or sister, regardless of what they do in their state in life, doctor, farmer, lawyer, retired person, whatever, uh, I don't see how people can grow in holiness in today's culture, truly, sincerely grow in sanctity without confession at least every four to eight weeks every month to two months, and I surely would not let it go past two months. And, and I want to make it clear, the Church's law, the Church's law is uh, confession once a year in preparation for the Easter communion that we're bound to receive in a state of grace annually. That's a minimal requirement, because Holy Mother Church, being just that, a good and holy mother, wants to see her children practice the faith at least minimally. So her law, in canon law, her ecclesiastical law, is confession at least once a year, Mind you, whether or not one is uh, consciously aware of mortal sin, so even if you're not consciously aware of mortal sin, you're still bound to go to confession at least once a year. That question was sent to the Vatican's Sacred Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith a few years back, and it was then Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, the future Pope Benedict, Benedict XVI, and he answered in the affirmative, yes. Uh, even if one is not consciously aware of mortal sin, still go to confession once a year. It's a minimal requirement. That being said, I just gave you a list of nine things how the frequent confession uh, of an individual helps them to grow in sanctity and holiness. And with today's culture being what it is and the temptations that are out there, I believe we need confession at least every four to eight weeks and to not let it go past eight weeks. Thank you, Jeff, for your great witness call and giving us an opportunity to, to give these great truths on the air. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. couple of open lines for you. Next up is John in Brighton, Illinois, listening on Covenant Radio. John, you're on with Father Wade. Thank you. Um, I was listening to the previous show, and they spoke that only a priest could give um, absolve sins and, um, and, and, you know, transubstantiation. And then they went on to say that anyone could baptize in, in case of emergency. Would that baptism be the same as sacrament of baptism? Because doesn't the sacrament of baptism absolve your sins? That's a great. That's a great question. Yes, and this is one of the great benefits of this particular teaching of the Catholic Church. Uh, one can baptize another person in danger of death of that other person. And baptism wipes away not only uh, the original sin of our first parents that we inherit, but baptism also wipes away 
uh, what we call personal sin. And what do we mean by personal sin? We mean any mortal or venial sin that might be committed. Uh, So I want to repeat that. It's a very important point. Uh, Baptism, uh, whether it's done by a priest over an infant or over an adult, uh, administered over an adult uh, or to an adult at, at the Easter vigil, uh, or whether it's done in a case of emergency by a layperson to another layperson. Baptism wipes away the original sin, and baptism also wipes away any personal sins um, that uh, the person might have, mortal or venial is what we mean by personal sins. But we need to, we need to make clear, though, however, John, that this would be an extraordinary circumstance. The Church is very big on specifying ordinary circumstances and extraordinary circumstances. Extra in Latin means outside of. So ordinary circumstances and outside of the ordinary circumstances. So the the personal sins of a person being baptized in, in danger of death being forgiven because indeed baptism functions as, as a confession in that regard, um, that is an extraordinary circumstance. Uh, the priest is the ordinary, along with a bishop uh, who is a priest, uh, a, a priest or bishop is the ordinary minister of confession. And we would not say that those sins were forgiven in the emergency baptism through confession, because it wasn't confession. Uh, it had the same effect as confession. That's with an E, not an A. It had the same effect as a confession, but it wasn't a confession. Uh, it was baptism that wiped away those particular sins. So gr- great question, uh, John, and, and good thinking on your part. You had your, your thinking cap on last Tuesday, and you have it on again this, uh, this Tuesday today. So, so stay a faithful listener. Thank you so much for your call. 833-288-3986 is our toll-free number. Next stop is Beulah, North Dakota. Mark's in North Dakota listening on Real Presence Radio. Mark, Blessed Advent. You're on with Father Wade. Hello, Father Wade. Blessed uh, blessed Advent and Merry Christmas to you guys that are... There's a for sure a boatload of us sinners out here that need a lot of help. But my question is, and I won't keep you too long because I didn't even... I, I'm, I'm, I'm hard to believe I got even into you. I'm on my way back to North Dakota. Uh, we've got, you know, my kids, a couple of my kids kind of fell out of the church. And my daughter, my youngest daughter, has two kids, and they she's kind of fallen away from the church. And I've told her, Father Wade, that, you know, we believe as as raised Catholic that Catholic is the one true church. And I've never been one to, I will not criticize, you know, I say everybody needs to have some kind of a, you know, a, a one-on-one with Jesus. But I said, when you're raised Catholic, and you walk from the Catholic Church, I said, you're walking like on some pretty thin ice that you die that way. And I, I know this is my own spin, Father Wade, but I said, when you die out of grace because you walked away with Jesus, it's it's a pretty hard thing to come back from. And, and she says, I'm just using that as, as like hard, you know, as hard copy or a hard threat to get her to come back. She goes to another church that's, you know, happy and sing song. And, you know, and I've said myself, you know, I've even told different priests, if I was church shopping and I would stop at a Catholic church not knowing about, you know, the Blessed Trinity, I would I'd be a little bit, you know what, I'm going to keep looking. But we as Catholics, we're blessed to know that. I'm just wondering, in a nutshell, what we can do. She told my wife this last weekend, well, Mama, if it's, if it's going to make you happy, I'll come back to the church. And my wife said, you 
you physically need to come back on your own. Don't come back for your dad or me. And I'm like, well, Jesus, she's going to come back. She's going to come back to keep her mom happy. You know, we should all live a life to keep our mothers happy. But There's no question about okay, that, Mark. And I think we've got the gist of your question here. And hang on the line. Don't go anywhere. We're going to get to that in just one moment. We'll also talk to Chris in Santa Barbara, California, and Christina in Neptune City, New Jersey. And hopefully we'll talk to you as well. The number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. We still want to hear from you if you're outside the United States and Canada. Your number is 1-205-271-2985. And we will put you straight to the front of the line at 1-205-271-2985. EWTN's Open Line Tuesday, talking faith, family, and fellowship with Father Wade Menezes. Two lines open for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. We're talking to Mark in Beulah, North Dakota. Father Wade, he's looking for some advice on uh, the best way to deal with those adult children who have strayed away from the faith. Yeah, great question, Mark. Thank you so much for your call from North Dakota today. Uh, you know, I've always said, show me a person who's left their Catholic faith of baptism, and chances are, chances are, they've left because of a moral issue. Either a moral issue that they've brought upon themselves or a moral issue that has been thrust upon them and they were a victim, say, of abuse, and so they leave because of that. So the starting point in working with your daughter to hopefully see her return back to the fullness of the sacramental graces of the church and returning to the, to the sacraments, Mark, would be to find out in your own way, and, and you would know the best way to go about this, what are the particulars with a capital P as to what it is she's not feeling it with the Catholic faith? Uh, why is she turning her back on her faith of baptism? For example, is it a self-image problem? Is it, is it uh, something to do with the relationship that she's in? Uh, you don't say if she's single or married, but I don't need to know that. Uh, is there contraception going on? Uh, it, it could be a whole host of things. Show me five different people in a room, and they've all left their faith of, of baptism, their Catholic faith. I can tell you probably five different reasons, core reasons, the main reason why those five people have left. It's going to be different for everyone. Um, there's three great books out there right now in Catholic circles that are getting a lot of play. Check with EWTNRC.com about this it, it, regarding women's spirituality and women who may be lacking in a specific area uh, of, of, of something dealing with their faith. Uh, the first one is A Catholic Woman's Guide to Happiness by Rose Sweet. A Catholic Woman's Guide to Happiness. Maybe you can give that to her as a Christmas gift. Maybe a stocking stuffer, huh? Uh, another one is titled The Catholic Girl's Survival Guide for the Single Years. A Catholic Girl's Survival Guide for the Single Years. That's by an Emily Stimson. And the third one, kind of a play on words, it's called Victorious Secret, Everyday Battles and How to Win Them by Laura Mary Phelps. Now, that title is very interesting. Everyday Battles and How to Win Them. Victorious Secret. I, secret. I think it's a play on Victoria's Secret. Um, but, but three great titles by three great women Catholic authors that, that you can know your, your daughter's situation best, Mark, and decide which one of those is going to be best for her. But encourage her to do some, some spiritual reading. Talk to her about the Eucharist. I, I don't know how a Catholic can truly, sincerely, authentically know 
the doctrine of the Eucharist and yet still turn their back on it. It just, it dumbfounds me. And that being said, I realize we're in a broken, wounded world. So I, I, I realize that. But how can you truly, sincerely understand that at the words of consecration, it is no longer ordinary bread and wine, but truly, really, and substantially, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the God-man Jesus Christ, God incarnate in his second divine personage, and still turn your back on it? Maybe that's a a blunt question you can ask her when the mood is right uh, for her and and you've got your apologetics cap on. Invite her to come back to the faith. Invite her to Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass is so powerful. Uh, it, there's just something about Midnight Mass that is just so, so, so powerful. Maybe it's because all the, all the lights in the church are dimmed before the liturgy begins, or there's, there's the, the, the holy caroling going on of, of the very lit, uh, liturgical and theological hymns like Silent Night. But, um, Mark, I will commit this to prayer in a special way, as all of us will here at EWTN, and uh, in a particular way, my Vespers this evening, I will pray for your daughter and that you have the courage and the know-how to address her. But I hope those three books will give you uh, a, a little bit of a, of a springboard on which to how to approach your daughter and to find out specifically uh, what, is, what is troubling her regarding her Catholic faith. Thank you, Mark, for your call. Next up is Chris in Santa Barbara, California, listening to EWTN Radio online. Chris, happy Advent. You're on with Father Wade. Hi, Father Wade and Jack. And um, I'm so grateful for Catholic Radio. It brought me back to the church after 37 years away, and I'm blessed. Um, You were speaking about frequent confession of venial sins, and... I'd like to know how to make a good confession of venial sins. I know that for mortal sins you do kind and number, but I always feel like I speak too much when I'm doing my venial sins, and I'm wondering yeah. what you would recommend, how to approach it to get the most out of it. Well, uh, Chris, that's a great, great question. I, I get asked that a lot. People who go to confession faithfully, again, say once a month, one, once every month and a half or so, Father, indeed, praise God, it is just venial sins that I have. The, the sincerity of my conscience tells me that I'm not aware at all of mortal sins, and that's a great thing, but how do I confess the venial sins? And you're right, Chris, it's just simply kind. You don't even have to say their approximate number. Uh, with mortal sin, we want to give kind and approximate number. Right? Notice I didn't say exact number. All the church requires is approximate number. Now, it could be a sin. I'm g- going to focus here on mortal sin a little bit, Chris. I realize you didn't ask about mortal sin, but for the benefit of our listeners, I think this is a great question you ask, and it allows it to be a teachable moment, quote, unquote. For mortal sins, Holy Mother Church requires two things, kind and approximate number. By kind, the church simply means name it simply, simply name it. In, in one to five or six words, describe the sin. There's no need for great and graphic detail regarding the mortal sin. There's no need for great or graphic detail regarding the venial sin. So that's what we mean by kind, quote, unquote. When we say kind, an approximate number for mortal sins, by kind, we mean simply name it, name it simply. If you want to go into more detail about this particular sin, make an appointment for spiritual direction, okay? Especially if there's a line of penitence outside the confessional while you're in the confessional, because we need to be attentive to the needs of others as well, okay? Then approximate number, not exact number, just approximate number. Now, I was going to say, it could be that the very nature of the sin is hideous or wicked enough that you know exactly how many times you committed it, huh? Let's say the gentleman confesses adultery two times, 
And he knows indeed it was two times with two different individuals. I need to confess adultery, Father, twice with two different persons. Kind and approximate number. Because that's particularly more egregious than committing adultery two times with one person. Because you've pulled a second person into sin. But notice in these different examples I'm giving, very short and to the point. Kind and approximate number. That's it. And what does kind mean again? Simply name it, name it simply. Now, for venial sins, you only need to confess according to kind. You don't need to give the approximate number. Just kind. Now, you could say, Father, I, I, I have a particular issue with this venial sin. Although it's only venial, I find myself struggling to overcome it. Okay, you can state that. Go ahead and state that and see what kind of advice the priest gives you without it turning into a spiritual direction half-hour sitting ses- session, okay? Um, you can go ahead and, and, and stress that point. If it's something, you know, your, your, your habit of driving five to eight miles over the speed limit, uh, you know, well, that, that's, that's a bad habit. That's a bad habit. That, that's a venial sin. That, that could put yourself in danger. That could put others in danger, especially at intersections when we're called to be slowing down in plenty of time, etc. So, you know, stress to the priest that you're having uh, uh, trouble overcoming that uh, and whatnot. Maybe, you know, a good thing to do, I would ask the person, are you involved in the Sacred Heart Auto League? No, Father, I'm not. Well, why not? Get involved in the Sacred Heart Auto League. Uh, put the emblem on your visor. Pray the prayer of the Sacred Heart Auto League uh, each time you get into your car for your, for your travels. Let it be a constant reminder, you know, uh, that, that you have laws to obey. We give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's, huh? So kind and approximate number for mortal sin and kind only for venial sin. So, so great question. Thank you so much, Chris. The last thing I want to say is this. Going back to mortal sin, if there's a, 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 a militating circumstance that makes the already mortal sin objectively more grave, then that is the third element that we need to confess about the mortal sin. Again, any militating circumstance that makes the already mortal sin objectively more grave. I'll give an example here in a moment. Um, but, but why is this the case? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. How will you know that it's present, this third element? Uh, well, you will have made a good examination of your conscience, and you'll discover that it's present, this third element. Example is this. Uh, Father, I need to confess one time a serious physical altercation that literally per- put the person in the hospital. Okay, that's all I need to know. Kind and approximate number. Simply name it, name it simply. A One time a physical altercation that literally put the person in the, ho- in the hospital. However, if you know that that person was your actual brother, your actual natural blood brother, it's objectively more grave because the family tie of blood, the family bond has been adversely affected by this grave sin of a physical altercation that was so bad that it actually put the person in the hospital. That's a mortal sin in and of itself. Let's say if it was done to a fellow worker at work, at the factory, on the assembly line. Okay, that's bad enough. But when it's your own natural blood relative, it's objectively more grave. So that third element that makes the already mortal sin objectively more grave, that third militating circumstance, in this case, the example I just used, it was your brother. That's the third militating, that's the third element, this militating circumstance. You do need to state that. But notice in even explaining that, you keep it simple. Simply name it, name it simply. I want to close with this. I truly, sincerely, authentically believe 
that if more people knew how to properly confess when they go to confession, properly confess their mortal sins, properly confess their venial sins, especially the mortal sins, more people would go to confession on a faithful and regular basis. I believe people stay away from confession, Catholics stay away from confession, because somehow, some way, somehow, some way, they got it in their mind, and it could date back to years. It could go back to their adolescence. Somehow, some way, they got into their mind that they have to go into great or graphic detail about their sins, and that is not what the church asks. The church asks exact, exactly the opposite, kind and approximate number, and that's it for mortal sins. And thirdly, if it's present, and you'll know if it's present by having made a good examination of your conscience, thirdly, if it's present, that militating circumstance that makes the already mortal sin objectively more grave. And there's two reasons why we are not to go into great or graphic detail about our sins. Number one has to do with the penitent, lest you lead yourself into becoming more scrupulous, feeling that you have to confess every single detail. So that's the first reason why you're not to go into great or graphic detail about your sins. The second reason you're not to go into great or graphic detail about your sins is lest you lead the priest confessor into sin of thought by having been so graphic in your descriptions. Because guess what? Even though we're there administering the sacrament to you as a priest, as an altar Christus, another Christ, we're administering the sacrament of confession to you in persona Christi capitis, in the person of Christ the head, we're still human. And so the penitent has a moral duty and responsibility while confessing their sins to protect the thought processes of the confessor. What do you think of that? Thank you, St. John Paul II, who goes into all of this in his 1980s apostolic exhortation, Reconciliatio et Penitentia, on reconciliation and penance. Great question, Chris, from Santa Barbara, my home state of California. Thank you so much for calling today. Your call served as a great witness as well to other listeners here at Open Line Tuesday. Still plenty of time for your calls at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Next up is Christina in Neptune City, New Jersey, listening on the iHeartRadio app. Blessed Advent to you, Christina. You're on with Father Wade. Hi. Thank you, Father Wade. Merry Christmas. Uh, my question is, I'm 57 years old, and I like to convert to Catholicism, but the classes don't work with my schedule. So I have a problem with that, and I'd really like to do this. So I was wondering okay. if I can study online. No worries, Christina. No worries at all, Christina. Uh Officially, officially, you can't study online unless maybe the pastor of the parish where you're going to enter the Catholic Church through, you enter through a particular parish and their RCIA program, Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. That can be done in a classroom setting, which you've made clear that your schedule does not permit. I presume you mean your work schedule and or your family schedule. A pastor is duty-bound to work with someone whose schedule or schedules do not permit them to take the classes. They would instruct, the pastor would, uh, he would instruct his DRE, his Director of Religious Ed, to have an appointment with you to meet one-on-one with the DRE periodically at times when you can meet with the DRE, the Director of Religious Ed, that you could meet with him or her. Also, the DRE would still give you assignments. They would still give you readings, for example, out of the catechism or out of the compendium of the catechism, but it would be a directed study one-on-one. 
the church's uh, teaching, especially canonically in canon law, makes this very clear, that if one cannot uh, partake of the classes of RCIA, one can receive individual study through RCIA. You would probably still come in with the class at the Easter Vigil, uh, you don't go into detail whether or not you need baptism, First Communion, and Confirmation, or whether or, not, whether or not you just need First Communion and Confirmation because you have a valid Protestant baptism from another Protestant faith. But that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. The fact is you can have individual directed study, and you also um, uh, may be asked to still partake of the class when the rest of the class comes in uh, at the Easter Vigil. By class, I mean those who actually took the classes. Uh, there's, a, there's a great book out right now. Uh, I, I don't know what your background is. I, I, I've been looking at this book. I've been pulling quotes from it. It's simply fantastic. It's called Mind, Heart, and Soul, Intellectuals and the Path to Rome. Uh, it's by an R.J. Snell, S-N-E-L-L, and a Robert George. Uh, R.J. Snell and Robert George. Check with EWTNRC. That's EWTNReligiousCatalog.com. Mind, Heart, and Soul, Intellectuals and the Path to Rome. It's each chapter is a different individual who entered the Catholic faith, and these individuals are, are intellectuals. They're, they're politicos, they're scientists, etc., uh, they're lawyers, and what attracted them as an intellectual, per se, to the Catholic faith? It's just a phenomenal book. Uh, uh, be sure to take a look at it if you can, because I think it will feed your journey, your conversion journey of coming into the faith. So thank you so much, uh, uh, Christina, for your for your call, we really appreciate it. And the next the next logical step for Christina would be to approach the pastor of her parish, right? Yeah, that's where it all begins. I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear at the beginning. She would check with her pastor, and then the pastor would direct her to the DRE if he has one. Some small parishes, like the one I I just came from in Buffalo, Wyoming, last week, uh, it's such a small parish that the 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 pastor does most of his catechumen work with the individuals one on one. They come together as a class to enter at the Easter vigil, but he meets with them one on one, and the pastor himself is the DRE of the parish. So uh, yeah, so every place is going to be different depending on how big the parish is, how. Big the staff is, etc. But it all begins with the pastor. That is correct. God bless you, Christine, and we will keep you in our prayers for sure. You know, it's the giving season, and a lot of people are going to receive an Amazon Echo for Christmas. I know it. And the first thing you need to do after you set that rascal up is say, Alexa, play EWTN radio, and she will do just that. You can check out Father Wade on the Amazon Echo. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Next up is Joyce in the great state of South Carolina. She's listening to Catholic Radio in South Carolina. Joyce, you're on with Father Wade. Hi. Um, I've got a bit of a problem, and I don't know how to handle it. Um, I'm homebound. My husband has um, some serious illnesses, and I get to go to church whenever I can get somebody to come in and stay with him, and... Things have been a little um, disconcerting lately because of his illness and, and now mine, and so I needed to talk to the priest, and so I called to talk to um, Monsignor, and um, you always get his secretary she, or, or his assistant, and, you know, she'll return the phone call, and um, she wanted to know what it was in regards to, and I said, well, it's a very private matter. I, I need to speak to him one-on-one. Well... Um, you'll have to call him. You'll have to call him, make an appointment to come in and see him. I, I I can't come in and see him. Well, I saw you at church last Sunday, and it kind of you know 
blew my mind a little bit. So I said, well, I was able to get somebody to come in and watch him. Uh, but be that as it may, I, I really do need to, to talk to Father. She said, well, you can come in and make an appointment. And so I just got frustrated, and I just, you know, I hung up. I thought, well, maybe it's just me. So I waited a couple of days, and I called back again. And she called me by my first name. I guess they have caller ID. And she said, I already told you, you have to come in and make an appointment to see Father. I said, I just need to talk to him. I'm not going to extend overextend my time with him. I just need to speak to him about, well, what is it about? I said, it's something very personal. You know, Father Wade, you have sure. the great privilege of being in many different parishes across the country, and you can probably give some joy, some insight as yeah. to the best ways to, to, get, to get to the pastor. Sure. Thank you, Joyce, for your call from South Carolina. It sounds like it must be a very small parish uh, because the secretary is not willing to schedule over the phone the meeting for you to come see the pastor. And even though you've tried making it clear that you can't get in, maybe you can tell her uh, you can't get in to see the pastor. Maybe you can at least tell her a few things as to why that's the case. Tell her that because your husband is homebound and you are his primary caregiver, it is literally impossible for you at this time to be able to get into the parish and leave him even for 15 minutes. It's just not possible. And that you would greatly, greatly appreciate a call from the pastor and that you can promise him that it will not be over five to ten minutes at the most of a phone call, where you can then ask him about this private matter, Joyce, that you're referring to. But um, usually a secretary is able to make an appointment right over the phone. This person's saying that you need to come in to make the appointment, and that just doesn't make sense to me, as even with the smallest of parishes, uh, you should still be able to make the appointment over the phone. But your issue is that you're not able to go in for such an appointment, therefore you want the phone call. So go ahead and tell this secretary secretary, this woman that's been answering the phone, tell her what you can tell her. Make it very clear to her, very charitably to her. You are your husband's primary caregiver, and you are simply not able to leave your husband even for a short amount of time to go in, and that you would like the pastor to call, and you can promise that it will be under 10 minutes, this phone call, and maybe even say one or two things that the phone call will be about. You don't need to go into the private matter at all, but just give some type of a glimpse of it. Um, and, and if you simply keep running into a brick wall, then I would go ahead and call the next neighboring parish, sharing with them without a lot of detail, again, no need for greater graphic detail, tell them that although you fall under the jurisdiction of parish A, um, you've been finding it difficult to meet with that pastor. Apparently, he's very busy, and that you are now calling Parish B, the, the one you currently have on the line that's the next parish over, and try to set up an appointment. Parishes are very generous, Joyce, with making communion calls, with making uh, anointing of the sick calls, with making um, uh, confession calls and with the Eucharist. So uh, it can be done. Whatever your private matter is, it can be done. The priest should be able to come out to the house. If it's not confession but merely communion, for example— that can be done by an extraordinary minister of communion that's properly deputed by the parish, or it can be done by a deacon. But if you want confession or the anointing of the sick, of course, it would have to be a priest because the priest is the ordinary minister of those two sacraments. Thank you so much, Joyce, uh, for your call. I really appreciate it. Next stop, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Jim is in Grand Rapids listening on Holy Family Radio. Jim, you're on with Father Wade. Happy Advent. Happy Advent. Um, thank you, Father, for taking the call. I don't want to bring anybody down, but um, shouldn't should we or or the priests? I'm talking church wide. Are you talking about the evil in this world during Advent in relation, like King Herod wanted him dead, 
and you know how they tried to stop him from preaching yep. and that that the evil out there is attacking us every day even in advent when we're waiting for coming his coming we have to yeah, absolutely. That's a great, a great, great question with your phone call, uh, Paul. Thank you so much. Um, or excuse me, Jim from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thank you so much for that call. The reality of evil, the problem of evil, not during just Advent, but during the entire liturgical year. Again, our lives are called to revolve around the sacred liturgy because the sacred liturgy is above all things the worship of the divine majesty, quote unquote. That's from Sacrosanctum Concilium, the document on the liturgy from the Second Vatican Council. But I think Advent and Lent because they are somewhat penitential in nature, Advent less than Lent, but still penitential, both sobering, both awakening, both waiting in anticipation, Advent for the birth of Christ, who came to destroy evil, his resurrection, which triumphed over evil, and Easter, which follows Lent. Um, These two liturgical seasons especially uh, are times where we should focus on the reality of evil. But remember, the Church also wants us to focus on joy and expectation, of the coming of the Messiah, who throughout the Old Testament, although we had types or symbols of the the Messiah to come, the intellect was still darkened of of the human person, and because truth with a capital T had not yet been revealed in the person of the God-man, Jesus Christ. So the Church wants us to have a joyful expectation in this regard, and that's that's a very important truth that we want to remain focused on as well. So you don't want to you don't want to become so overly focused on the reality of evil during Advent, or even during Lent, for that matter, that you don't have the joyful expectation that Advent is calling you to, and you don't have the spirit of reconciliation that Lent calls you to. Because even during Lent, if all we do is focus on the reality of evil, we could throw up our arms and say, you know what, to heck with it. What's the purpose of, of, of reconciling myself? What's the purpose of trying to better myself? So we don't want the devil to have that upper hand. Catholics are realists. We are realists. We understand the reality of evil in the world, the problem of evil. We understand that God calls us to something much, much more greater, a life of sanctifying grace, which comes primarily through the seven sacraments. Last thing I want to say, look up online, Manual for Spiritual Warfare by Paul Thigpen. Absolutely. Yeah, very good. And very quickly, Father Wade, in just a couple words, Paul in Akron, Ohio, wants to know if grace, if the grace of communion is conferred, conferred upon his child in his wife's womb when she receives. No, that has never been the teaching of the church. That, that would be pious conjecture on, on dad's part. But no, you want to receive a, a, a literal Holy Communion uh, with, with knowledge of what it's all about. That's would why you, we give cold, First Holy Communion at the would age of Would you leave us reason. with a blessing, Father? Sure. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with you all now and forever. Amen. Amen. On behalf of our host, Father Wade. Saint Joseph, terror of demons. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us.